Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. So we started this series last week called Zoology, and last week we looked at the rhinoceros, which was fun. Um, Today, I want to start out with a picture of this little guy. Take a look at him. That's different than a rhino, right? That's not a rhino. We're looking at the characteristics of a couple of animals, namely the rhinoceros and the lamb in this series we're calling zoology, and we're trying to see what we can learn from them. One of the things we learn from the lamb is just how dependent sheep are. Sheep are very dependent. They need a shepherd. Um, The early church learned this early on in the game. That's why one of the first, uh, one one of the scenes you see, one of the first pictures of Jesus that was painted on the walls of the catacombs is a picture of Jesus as shepherd. And he's got a lamb over his shoulders depicting that. He is the good shepherd, and he's been known as that from the very beginning. If I were to poll a hundred men and ask them, would you rather be a sheep or a rhino? What do you think the answer would be? We'd want to be rhinos, right? We want to be tough, rough and tumble. Um, We like knocking things over and being rough. Um, Most guys would rather be a rhino, I think. I mean, who doesn't want to rush a brick wall? That'd be fun. But there's a lesson from this little guy. The lesson to be learned from the lamb is how dependent they are on the shepherd. Because until you learn the dependence of a lamb, you cannot live with the boldness of a rhinoceros. You need the dependence that the lamb has on the shepherd. As many of you know, back in December, I got pretty sick. I had had, um, shingles. (laughs) I had covid and I had double pneumonia, and that landed me in the hospital for about 10 days, and that had some pretty significant consequences for me, for my family, for this church, and for our staff. Our staff had to pick up my slack, and uh, they're already busy, and they, they stepped up and just did an amazing job. The elders were terrific to make sure that I had plenty of time to recuperate and, and get uh, mended as, as I needed to be. But one of the things <clears throat> that that illness did is it, it, it showed me, it reminded me, or maybe proved to me, um, it shattered my illusions of just how tough I think I am. You know, you think you're healthy, you think you're pretty tough. I'm not in tip-top shape. I'm not going to be an MMA fighter or anything like that. I'm not a world-class athlete. Um, I have, for most of my life, been fairly athletic, and I have, for most of my life, been pretty healthy. I don't go to the doctor a whole lot. Um, But there was a point in the hospital where, (laughs) you know, they put this thing on my finger, this pulse ox on my finger, and it had a wire that ran to a box, and the box had a number on it, and they said, this is the number you wanted that to be at. And I looked at that number, and I wasn't anywhere close to that number. I'm like, oh. So it was just like I was trying to will this number up. I just kept looking at the box, like, come on, you know, let's get that number up. Once in a while, somebody would come into the room. They would try to sit me up on the side of the bed, and that number would just plummet. A couple of times, the respiratory therapist came in, and they had me stand up, and they didn't do that very long because that number went crazy, and they said, we need to get him back down. So there was a few days there where it, it wasn't real good. And, um, you know, I just, I quickly learned through all that that I'm not as tough as I think I am. Now, uh, none of us are as tough as we think we are. We, you, you know, I know this. I know that 
that you guys made me and Didi stronger. Uh, your outpouring of love, your gifts, your, some of you brought us food, some of you brought us gift cards, some of you um, brought, you know, me- I mean, medical things like thermometers and pulse ox machines and things like that to help us. You just did all kinds of things. You prayed for us, you reached out to us. I was in the hospital. One of the things you don't realize maybe, um, and I should probably tell you this, you know, some people, I was talking to somebody this morning that was telling me that when they got COVID, they lost their taste and their, their smell. I didn't have that. I lost my mind. <laughs> and some of you would say, you still haven't gotten that back. I literally did not think I would ever preach again. I, was, I couldn't remember how. I was like, I know that's what I do for a living, but I can't remember how, I don't know how to write sermons. And so... Um, I went through this stretch where I just cognitively, I didn't, I, I, I couldn't, I just, I couldn't think. I couldn't, kind of like now, I couldn't put things together. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, <clears throat> look, a squirrel. Uh, um, but there came a point where, and, and you would write, text me and send me emails, and, and I was seeing all that. But there were literally points when I would get those and I didn't know how to respond to you. Like I couldn't write out the sentences in a way that I was, a, my mom was checking on me every day, like not just calling me, FaceTime. When your mama FaceTimes you, it's serious, right? She wanted to see me and I, I would try to buck up, you know, and act like I had it all together when deep down I didn't have anything together and she, I wasn't fooling her a bit. But I, it got so bad that I had to get a hold of Tracy and say, Tracy, just tell everybody to stop because I can't, you know, I wanted to respond and I didn't really feel like I was responding very well and I couldn't keep up with the volume, which, you know, looking back, that's a, what a blessing, what a blessing for me to, to have you do that for me and to love me that way. But it, it just got, it, it, it got overwhelming at some point. People prayed for us in unbelievable ways. The power you draw from a community is amazing, especially when we are personally weak. Jesus said, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. And we talk about lambs and wolves, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit, but that's a kind of a pathetic picture when you think about it. I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves, but I want to draw your attention to that first part. I am sending you. Like that's, he's intentionally sending us out as lambs among wolves. I mean, just let that imagery sink in for a minute. Uh, We're going to kind of come back to that and talk about it, but for now I want to talk about lambs. Can we just all acknowledge that this little guy, if if he gets surrounded by wolves, he's in trouble, right? He's got no shot. If he looks up and there's two or three wolves around him, he's done for. If there's one wolf around, he's he's done for. It's not going to go well for him unless... He's on the shoulders of his shepherd. And then his odds of of survival increase. You might even say that he has a 100% chance of survival because he is now with his shepherd. I know this will surprise you. I am not a shepherd, at least not a literal one. I am a spiritual shepherd. But I have a book in my library uh, by a guy named Philip Keller. And uh, this particular book actually is a, 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 a... a grouping of four different books, but I want to draw your attention to the, the book. Most of this material comes from this morning. It's called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. If you want a great, this is a, considered a classic. 
uh, by Philip Keller. If you want a great little book to read that would just be fun to read, you'd learn a lot, you'd learn a lot about God, I would recommend this to you. A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. This particular volume has, also has a layman looks at the Lord's Prayer, a shepherd looks at the Good Shepherd and his sheep, and then a gardener looks at the fruit of the Spirit. And this is considered a classic. I read this years and years ago. And in it, he talks about the characteristics of sheep. And I want to share this morning with you some of those characteristics with you. I want, to, I want to give you actually four of them. And just let me warn you before we get started, when Jesus likened us to sheep, that wasn't a compliment, okay? It's not, you, if you think, oh, that's nice. You know, see that little lamb and Jesus looks at us like the little lamb. No, as we go, you're going to see. Characteristic number one, sheep are anxious. They're anxious with good reason. They don't have sharp claws. They don't have sharp fangs. They don't run very fast. If you were going to sit a, a wolf down, and a wolf could talk, if you're going to sit it down and say, now, we want to design for you the perfect prey, what would you have us design? He would say, make a sheep. Because they can't run very fast. They can't defend themselves. They're easy pickings. And sheep are. Sheep are a predator's dream. Sheep are very anxious. They're jumpy anxious. In the book, uh, Mr. Keller writes about, he says, he says, if you're in the field with the sheep and all of a sudden a jackrabbit jumps out of a hole, jackrabbits aren't that scary, but if one jumps out of a hole and, and, and a sheep sees it, the sheep freaks out and pretty soon it's running and it doesn't even really know why it's running. And when it runs, the sheep around it start running. And if you were to ask them, why are you running? They'd say, we don't really know. Where are you going? We don't really know. I'm just scared to death, right? Because that's just how it goes. And so, you know what that reminds me of? The past couple of years for us. They're using fear to manipulate, to motivate, to, um, I would say, sometimes control. And it just has amazed me how often when you watch the news or you hear a you watch some program or a documentary or whatever, and it's just fear, 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 fear. They're capitalizing on fear to make us more and more anxious. And I'm just telling you, we're like sheep when it comes to that. We get really anxious. You probably know how the 23rd Psalm begins. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I wonder if you know what comes after that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Now, I don't want you to miss that sentence that's in there. He makes me lie down. He makes me lie down. Here's what you need to understand about sheep. Sheep don't lie down unless they are extremely comfortable. They don't lie down unless they, their defenses are really down. They, they, they will typically only do that when they feel it like they're in a very safe environment, usually close to the shepherd because they know they're protected and they can kind of let their guard down a little bit. Normally, um, you know, sh sheep are very anxious and they're on guard. So may I suggest right now that if you're feeling a little anxious in life, if you're experiencing some fear, if there's some anxiety going on with you, if, you, if you're triggered a little bit about some things that are happening around you, um, you know, you're not going to get the relief that you want by solving the, the socio-political problems of our day. You're not going to get the relief you want by fixing the financial issues in your, 
your life or, or the relational issues, the, the family issues. What will give you rest, the thing you really need more than anything else. I mean, you can solve those problems and probably make you feel a little better, but what you really need is you need to get close to the shepherd. You need to get near the shepherd. He's the one who will calm you to the place that you can get the rest that you need and that you want so desperately. So characteristic, characteristic number one, sheep are anxious. Here's number two. I hate to say this because um, I don't want to offend anybody, so I'll just say it like this. I'll say that this applies to me. Uh, you can make application where you sit as to whether or not it applies to you, but I'm just telling you under my breath, it applies to you, okay? Sheep are dumb. Sheep are dumb. They're just, they're, you think I'm you think I'm making that up. I'm about to prove it to you. Sheep are habitual. They, if if uh, you leave sheep alone in a field and you don't really take care of them, you don't look after them, you don't do what needs to be done, the, you know, all animals will make paths. That's, a, that's just what animals do, even humans. If you've ever been on a college campus, um, you'll notice that that's the, the students will cut corners. You know, they'll cut across the the courtyard or whatever, and eventually what the, the college does is they just finally make a sidewalk because that looks better than the path that the students have made. Well, sheep are like that, and if you leave sheep in a field by themselves long enough, they'll make a path that will cut itself into a rut, and sometimes it can get so deep that the sheep couldn't even get out of it if they wanted to. Um, they will graze in a field, and they will eat everything in sight. If you don't keep them moving, they'll eat everything right down to the bare dirt. They, they just, they, they don't have any sense. Um, sheep are so dumb that when they're walking along, if they come up on a puddle of water, they'll get themselves a drink of water, and then they'll pee in the puddle. And then the next sheep comes along and says, well, that looks like a good idea, and he drinks from the puddle, and then he pees in the puddle. And it just, it perpetuates. So it's really important for the shepherd to keep the sheep moving, because if not, they will literally make each other sick. Um, sheep are really just that dumb. Sheep are not browsers, like a deer is a browser. A deer, we have about 10 or 15 deer on the church property, and a lot of times when the sun's going down, they'll come out. A lot of times in the early morning, you'll see them. And uh, at nighttime, they like to come out in the front yard, so you have to be careful if you're driving on the property at night, you could hit a deer, so be careful. But they've gotten kind of used to Didi and I. We're constantly coming and going, and they, they, they don't really, they're not too worried about us. But when they eat, their head goes down, and then they're up, you know, looking around. And then they eat a little bit, and then they pop back up. Like, you're not going to surprise us. Sheep are not like that. The sheep are, are grazers. Sheep keep their head down. They eat, and they eat, and they eat. They don't really pay attention to a whole lot. Um, I mean, if the sheep next to them gets a little agitated, that might get their attention. But for the most part, their head is down. They aren't really paying attention to the sheep around them. They aren't really paying much attention to the shepherd. They just, they're in a place that's feeding them, so they're happy. And in fact, sheep are so dumb that sometimes they, they will literally walk right off a cliff because they're not paying attention. They'll, they'll wander off and they'll find themselves on a ledge. And, if, you know, you think if they could talk to themselves, they would be saying, how did I end up here? They, they can look up and be lost. They can have wandered away from their, their group. And, you know, again, how did I end up here? They look up and they're surrounded by wolves. How did I end up here? here and and that may sound familiar to some of you today you might say yep that's me I just kept going in this relationship and this is where it ended up and how did I end up here 
You might be in business and you, you made this deal and you really weren't paying attention like you should have and you found yourself isolated and alone and, and surrounded by wolves and you're, now you're asking the question, how did I end up here? That's when the shepherd wants to come around you. And he will. He will come around you. We get that promise in 1 Peter. He, he talks about, you know, you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. If you're feeling isolated and alone, maybe it's time for you to return to the shepherd. Because once you get to the shoulders of the shepherd, your chance of survival goes way, way up. The, the closer you get to the shepherd, the better your chance of survival and the better your chance of health. So we've established that sheep are anxious. Sheep are dumb. The third one is sheep are sickly. Sheep are sickly. No other animal, no other like herd or flock animal um, is as susceptible to, to disease the way sheep are. They, they have a tendency to get sick. Um, they have several things that, that can affect them. They, these things called bot flies are a problem. Nasal flies are an issue. Um, they, um, what else? They, parasites are, can be a real problem for them. They're susceptible to cuts and infection. Really, it doesn't take much to mess with them. Their eyes, you know, they can have things happen with their eyes. So a shepherd doesn't just watch over the flock as a whole. The shepherd has to be very intimately concerned about each and end, every individual sheep. And so, you know, he's got to get alone, and he's got to get to the side where he checks each one out, looks in its eyes, looks in its nose, other bodily orifices to make sure that everything is the way it's supposed to be. That's part of his job as a shepherd. The shepherd has a couple of tools at his disposal. One of them is the staff with the shepherd's crook. You, you probably are familiar with that, and often what he'll do is he'll use that shepherd's crook to hook underneath a sheep's belly, and as it's trying to traverse a creek or a, a creek bed or a crevice of some kind, he'll support it through that unsteady por portion of the path, and then he'll help the next one, and then he'll help the next one. That's one of the things he does with the staff. He also uses it to guide the sheep. But the shepherd also has something called the rod. The rod. David talks about, in the 23rd Psalm, the rod and the staff. And the rod is this piece of wood not super long, has a knot on the end of it, and the shepherd has looked high and low for the perfect piece of wood with just the right knot on the end of it. He, they're carefully selected, and then they, you know, they strip everything else away from it so that it's a, it's a, he uses it as a weapon. He uses it to guide the sheep. He might touch the sheep on the shoulder once in a while. If he looks up and a sheep is about to ingest something poisonous, he, he'll just kind of talk. He's an expert at wielding this rod he uses it as a weapon for wolves but he can also kind of toss it and maybe hit the sheep and and get their attention and stop them from doing something that's not good for them sheep once in a while get into fights with one another and he might you know toss it in their direction and and get them to to stop doing whatever it is that they're doing now sheep don't just get sick uh, sheep have other problems as well they have a condition that's almost hard to believe unless you see it. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, the first uh, full-time ministry that I ever, the first full-time church I ever served was a church in Seymour, Indiana. Seymour's about halfway between Louisville and Indianapolis on 65. And I was at a little church there called the, the Reddington Christian Church. 
And uh, in that church was a couple that I came to dearly love. Their names were Dave and Mary Mary. So her name was Mary Mary. And uh, I loved them. They were just so good to me. And so about every couple of years, for youth group, I would take the kids and we would go to the Mary farm. And Dave would take us out into the field and, and, and out into the pasture where the sheep were. And he would talk to us about the things that I'm talking to you about, about all the things that they're susceptible to and about you know, the diseases and the sicknesses and things like that, and he would just explain, he would explain, you know, the good shepherd and all those things, but he he told us, and it's in the book as well, he he told us about how sheep can become cast, and if you've never heard of this, um, maybe they lie down in a field, or they, they, you know, they have wool on their back, and their back is fairly flat anyway, but they can roll over on their back, and they can't get up, they can't move, and they're, they're just stuck. And so they will start to bleat out. And they'll start calling for help. Well, the problem with that is they're calling for the shepherd. You know, come help me. I'm, I can't move. Um, and, and this is dangerous because what happens is they get on their back and then gases start to build up in their body. And if that goes on long enough, they, they actually have a heart attack. And so if you ever see a sheep like that, you do what that guy just did and you help roll it over. And then this little fellow here has a hard time getting on his feet. But they'll call out while they're on their back, hoping that someone will come to help them. The problem with that is, not only can the shepherd hear that, but the predator can hear that. And the predator hears that noise and knows, hey, that's a sheep that's in peril. That's a sheep that's in danger. That's lunch for me. So, you know, if a shepherd gets there first, he can help the sheep. If the predator gets there, he will help himself. To the sheep. Uh, the interesting thing about being cast is it's not necessarily the sickly sheep that get cast. Sometimes it's perfectly healthy sheep that get cast. Because if you have really thick wool, which is something that shepherds want you to have, you can get over on your back and, and it, that, that wool will actually hold you in place. You can't move. Or maybe if you're pregnant with a lamb and you get down and you can't get up. Or if you're, you know, shepherds like fat sheep. And if you get fat enough and you get down there and roll over, some of us can identify with that, right? Is help, I've fallen and I can't get up. Um, you know, and, and then they, they just, they, they can't help themselves. And what I found out in my own sickness in December is it doesn't matter how healthy you think you are, you're still prone to sickness. You're still prone to, to running into trouble. You may be here this morning and you may think, well, I'm, I'm you know, fairly spiritually healthy and I'm relationally healthy and emotionally healthy, and yet you find yourself in 2022 in a place maybe where it could be any number of things. You know, you and your husband aren't in the same bed. You haven't slept in the same bed for a long time and things just aren't good. Or, you know, you, financially things aren't going well and you're entertaining, um, making decisions financially that just aren't good and aren't healthy decisions. Um, and, and, you know, again, you could be asking yourself that question like a sheep would on the ledge. How did I get here? How did I get here? There's a warning in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. It's embedded with all kinds of humility, understanding that all of us are prone to sickness and attack. And when that happens, when we're on our back, the enemy will lie to us. And the enemy will say things like, well, you're here because you're foolish. 
You're here because you're stupid and you make dumb decisions. You're here because you're not strong. You're weak. And when the enemy lies to you, you, you begin to believe it. And then a really strange thing happens. Not only do we believe it, but we, he, he gets us convinced that it's God saying those things to us. That God is the one saying, you know what, you're just so stupid. You're, you're not valuable to me. You're not worthy anymore. You're not, you're not, I don't want you anymore. And that is a lie that we must absolutely vanquish from our thinking. Your sickness does not offend God. He doesn't come at you with a pointed finger and a clenched fist and say, you know, you got yourself into this mess, you get yourself out. People are often fond of repeating that, that axiom that the Lord helps those who help themselves. Uh, here's a challenge for you. Find that in your scriptures. It's not in there. That's not in there. What you will find is that God helps the helpless. God helps those who, who uh, sometimes can't help themselves. And your shepherd is never more present than when you are most desperate. I say that because despite the first three characteristics, they're anxious, they're dumb, they're sickly. Here's the fourth and most important characteristic of sheep. They're very valuable. They're very valuable, not just in terms of the wool that they offer the, the shepherd, not just in terms of the meat that can be gained from the sheep, but that's really not why the shepherd values you. In Jesus' day, especially Jews, didn't, they didn't really have dogs as pets. Um, what they would have as pets were lambs. And, and lambs connect very easily to people. When they're well taken care of and when they, they, they make this connection to people, they can get very emotionally connected. Um, growing up in my house, there were no pets. My mom... <laughs> She's trying to raise four kids. My dad's a truck driver. He's on the road all the time. My mom's raising four kids basically by herself. She did not have time to be trying to feed some animal and clean up after it. And, you know, in the rare occasions that we ever did have an animal, we had a dog that got run over one time. And my mom was like, I'm over that. I don't want to explain that to my kids. I don't want to go through all that. So growing up, we didn't have pets in the house. Um, consequently, it's not a surprise that when all of us got out of the house, we all got pets immediately, right? Um, but mom just, she didn't, you know, she just wasn't really having that. And I had a little pet named Peter. She fell in love with my little dog, Peter. And, um, and she's kind of warmed up to animals since then. But we just didn't have them. And that may describe you. You know, you may be the kind of person that's just like, I just don't, I just don't want to deal with that. And that's okay. Some people are like that. That's fine. But many of us have pets. I want to introduce you to the newest member of the Wilson family. This is Piper. She's an Italian greyhound. Somebody asked me, what kind of dog is that? It's an Italian greyhound. She's pretty big for an Italian, actually. Um, she's not quite a year old. Fast. So fast that when she gets in trouble, which is often, because she's still a puppy, she's into all kinds of things, I can't catch her. It's comical to watch us trying to catch this dog, and it's like sport for her. Like, oh, let's watch the old people try and catch us. Um, she's every bit as mischievous as she looks in those pictures, but we love her, right? Like, she gets a lot of our attention. She's sweet as she can be. She hardly ever makes a sound. She's not ferocious or anything. She's just very loving. Uh, she's a cuddler, and um, we, we just 
we are crazy about her. Now, why do I show you that picture? I show you that picture because I want you to understand that's, if you've got pets, you know what I'm talking about. You know how close you get to your animal friends. You know, I, I understand better. I had to put Peter down about two years ago, and I understand better what people go through when they have to do that now than I did before I had to do that. And so when I see some of you that, you know, you've had to put an animal down, my heart just hurts for you. Because, I, I, I mean, I know, same with people. I know I'm not suggesting that we don't feel that way with people. We do. But we feel that way with our pets as well. And, and I, I just, I tell you all that to tell you this. The same way you're crazy about your pets, God is crazy about you. He loves you. He wants nothing. I don't want anything to happen to this little dog. And that's how God looks at us. He does not want anything bad to happen to us. And when he finds you isolated and alone and surrounded by wolves, he doesn't scold you. He opens his arms, he scoops you up, and he says, come on, you silly sheep. Let's go home. Let's go home. Come on, let's get you out of here. Sheep are valuable. But your greatest value is not in being an individual sheep. Your greatest value is in being with the group. We took a test last week. I tested your AQ, your animal quotient. And I had somebody come in this morning and tell me a new one. Um, let's see if I can remember this right. Do you know what you call a group of bears? He said, you're not going to get it. He said, you wouldn't get it in a thousand years. A sloth. A sloth of bears. You ever heard that? John, what was the other one? Larks. What's it, what do you call it? You call a group of larks an exaltation. Isn't that interesting? So what do you call a group of sheep? Some said herd. That's a word that you could apply to sheep, I think. But the proper term, I think, is a flock. You call them a flock. Now, here's what's interesting about that. Why do you call a group of sheep a flock, and you also call a group of birds a flock? And I'm going to show you some imagery here. Both birds and sheep move in synchronous movements. God designed them. He hardwired their brains to need one another. They, they want to be in the group. Your strength as a sheep is when you are a part of the flock, when you're moving together and you're allowing the shepherd to lead you together. Now, don't get me wrong. If you get lost, the shepherd will come and find you. Jesus talked about, you know, you leave the, the 99 and you go after the one. Jesus used that imagery. God will do that for you. But your greatest strength is in your connection with other people. That's why it's important that you be here on Sunday mornings. Your greatest value is your connection to other people in connection with the shepherd. It's when you're with the flock and the shepherd is, is right there in your midst among you. I said earlier that sheep develop bad habits. And I fear that we as church leaders and even Cross Lane has um, maybe set you up to develop a bad habit. Let me explain. Um, you know, we've always put our audio online for people to go back and catch a sermon in case they missed one. But when COVID hit and we weren't meeting in the building, we had to figure out a way to do everything by video. And that was fun for a season. It was a challenge. And Shelby did a great job of 
figuring a lot of that stuff out. She's, she's really great at that kind of stuff, has done a tremendous job for us. Um, and it was fun to watch everybody come online, and we kind of had an online community, and that was pretty neat. Um, and, you know, you were saying things like, wow, this is amazing. I, we're going to church with our coffee and our jammies. That's awesome. Um, but here's the thing. I'm still seeing that. And we're back at church now, okay? Uh, it's time to come back. It's time to, and I, I fear that we have set you up to develop a really bad habit, and that bad habit is to just wake up and go, you know, I just don't feel like going this morning. I'm just going to stay in my pajamas, and, and I'm just going to watch it on on my computer or on the television or whatever here's here's what you don't understand we get the statistics on how long you stay on (laughs) and sometimes you log on for about five minutes and then you log off and you think well i've gone to church and it's not about how much time you put in but you're just you're developing bad habits if if you just think to yourself well i'm just gonna i can do this in the comfort of my own home no you need the group you need the flock you need the community around you you need to connect to other people and you need to connect to god there is a strength and there's a power that comes in being together like this um i'm completely lost right now hold on so when you're able to come home and many of you are doing that and i realize i'm preaching to the choir because you're here but uh, we will also put this online and those people when they hear it i'm I'm looking at you come home right like get off the couch you come home Um, you say well Brett just wants a big flock well then you don't know me very well Um, I mean yes it's fun preaching to a lot of people I'm not gonna lie to you that's always been fun for me but it's really not that I've had conversations with so many of you who were gone for a season and you'll come back and you'll come up and give me a hug and you'll say things like it feels so good to be back it feels so good to be back in this building with these people. It's good to see your face. It's good to hear you preach again live. It's, it's, you know, it's just been so good. Um, and I, you know, not more than once I've heard people say, Brett, it just feels good to be here. They remembered what they'd been missing. Community gives you strength. I heard Bill Hybels say this years ago. It's one of the greatest statements I've ever heard about the church. He said, the local church is the hope of the world. I believe that. The local church is the hope of the world. I've dedicated my whole life to the local church. The local church is the hope of the world. Your greatest strength and our greatest common connection is when we come together and we are together and we're hearing the voice of the shepherd in community with God's people. There is a difference between the way they shepherd today and the way they shepherded in the first century. In fact, today, most of the places around the world, they shepherd with dogs and they drive sheep. Uh, in the first century, and I think even in the Middle East today, they don't use dogs, they, they still use their voices, they call sheep. So they're not driving them, they're leading them, they're, they're calling them. And I wanna read to you this passage from Psalm 95. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. Now somebody needs to hear this this morning. God is calling you and he's calling you by name and you know it. You know it. Even as you sit here and you're listening to me and God is whispering your name like, hey, he's talking to you. He's, he's, this is for you. 
You need to hear him and you need to respond. You need to call out like a cast sheep. I need help. Call out. Maybe you're cast, you're on your back and you can't get up. You need to understand that the shepherd wants to come, scoop you up, put you on his shoulders, and when that happens, you are going to be 100% better off. The shepherd wants you. He is inviting you to come back to the community, to get into the flock, to feel the strength of the body of Christ around you. I want to close this morning with just one little story from Scripture. Jesus is exhausted. He, he's got to be worn out. Um, people just were constantly around him, constantly wanted to touch him, wanted to hear him speak, wanted healing. Any piece of Jesus they could get, they wanted and there's a point where Jesus comes to where he's just so overwhelmed, he looks at the disciples and he says, let's retreat, let's go across the lake. It's kind of Jesus' way of saying, I need some time, I need to get away. And so, you know, we, we need some rest, we're going to go across the lake. The North to south, the Lake of Galilee was about nine miles long and they were going to go across the lake. As Jesus got into the boat, the people realized that he was leaving, and they said, you know, we gotta, Jesus is leaving. We want more of Jesus. So they, they figured out where he was going to land on the other side of the lake, and they made the 14-mile journey around the lake and were waiting on him when he pulled up in the boat with the disciples, hoping to have some rest. Now, had I been Jesus on that day, I would not have responded very well, and I think we can all give a pretty hearty amen to the truth that I am not Jesus, okay? Nobody's confused about that. Because I would have said, go away. Leave me alone. Come on, I need a break. I need, give me some time. What are you doing here? And this is where Jesus feeds the 5,000 people. 5,000, they didn't count the women and children, they only counted the men. So you add that all up, that's well over 5,000 people. What is said about Jesus immediately upon pulling up on the shore and seeing all these people, I want you to see what scripture, how Scripture describes him when he pulls up onto the shore. This is Matthew 9. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd today if you're harassed if you're helpless if you if you feel like you you just you can't take another step he has compassion on you too and he wants to teach you and he wants to heal you and he wants to feed you and he wants to scoop you up in relationship and he wants to take care of you St. Augustine said it like this in the 4th century, O God, thou hast made us for thyself, and our souls are restless searching till they find their rest in thee. Come home. Come home. Let the shepherd scoop you up and say, silly sheep, let's go home. Let's pray together. Father, You are sending us out into a world that is rough. You're sending us out among the wolves. You know what you're doing. We trust you. 
But Father, even as we acknowledge that that's what's happening, we also acknowledge that we are susceptible. It's easy to pick us off. It's easy to give us, get us into situations that are not good. We are susceptible to, to mistreatment. We're susceptible to our own bad judgment and temptation. Uh, there's a lot of peril beyond these walls, and yet you send us into that world to be salt and light, to tell the truth, to point people to Jesus. And so I pray, Father, that we would have the boldness of the rhino with the dependence of the lamb, that we would always know that you are our shepherd and we would listen and we would hear your voice, that we would be connected to the flock. But, Father, that we would always have that forward-moving faith of the rhinoceros that carries us, propels us forward for you and your namesake. We pray all this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.